Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 378, Step-by-Step Guide to Finding Love That Lasts. Hey everybody, this is Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it's never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and in love. What is a woman of value, you might ask? (laughs) She's somebody who shows up, stands up, and speaks up for the values that are important to her. And every week, I bring you a tip about how to be that woman of value. This week is be vulnerable. This is one of the things I find people struggle with the most. You know, it's very easy to stay in your head and be intellectual, but being vulnerable is not easy. And so my challenge for you today is to really drop into your body, drop into your feelings, ask those questions that you're keeping in your head and not speaking up about, because nine out of 10 times, it's better than you think it's going to be. And you're going to create more intimacy by showing up more and being more vulnerable. And now I'm going to introduce my guest today. After being friend-zoned by his best friend, George Araman was able to discover his life's purpose, which is to show singles and people who have been friend-zoned and couples how to create sparks and how to be and grow in a magical relationship. He's dedicated himself to researching, experimenting, and writing about relationships, and we're here today to talk about his new book, The Great Dance of Love, a step-by-step guide to finding love that lasts. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you for your wonderful introduction, Sandy. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. And George is all the way in Lebanon, and so we love having guests from all over the world. It's really exciting. Last week it was Australia. This week it's Lebanon. (laughs) (laughs) So the magic of technology, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, George, um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to write The Great Dance of Love and do the work that you do. With pleasure. So, actually, it, it all happened around two years ago when I was friend-zoned by my ex-best friend, and I really wanted to find a solution. So, for the first two, three weeks, I was mourning, and I was playing the victim, and I actually thought, why does it always happen to me? Why does it happen all over every time I attract the wrong person. But then I paused and I said, you know what, George? You've been into the personal development world for quite some time. You've learned all about the techniques. You've learned all about doing it yourself. You've learned all about it. So maybe this is an opportunity for you to go and really find a solution instead of playing the victim. So I I went and I read more than 200 books. I read more than 1,200 plus articles. I did an in-depth experiment to prove that my theories were right, and I put them all inside the book. And here we are three years later. Hmm. <laughs> so I love that you took responsibility. That's, that's the big shift, because so Thank many you. people, even with knowledge, we can still get lost. You know, the, the, um, the hardest person for us to see is ourselves. Very true. And we're the common denominator in all the relationships that don't work, right? (laughs) So when you say ex-best friend, was this somebody you were romantically involved with or uh, just a a platonic relationship? 
it was more of a platonic relationship. So we really liked each other. We were really very, very close. And uh, I was into her. She wasn't into me. There was a, a very brief period of time where she was into me. But then uh, I shifted my energy and uh, things didn't go according to plan. So it is what it is. Hmm. So you came to some conclusions. And we're going to talk about that today. With pleasure. <laughs> so you have eight characters that you've identified that show up in our love life. Can you talk about those? Yes, with pleasure. So actually when I was doing all my research, I, I really identified eight different relationship archetypes or relationship characters in which we all belong to. Uh, of course, those are extremes. So we don't belong to one, we belong to a um, um, combination of all of them in general. And so I'm gonna start with, the, the, I'm gonna go two by two. The first two are Mr. and Mrs. Bath Sparks. So Mr. and Mrs. Bath Sparks are all about attraction. They're all about passion. They're all about the intensity. They're all about, they're really good actually with, when it comes to short-term relationships. But when it comes to long-term relationships, they are really not that good. And um, so to give you a more detailed example that's very familiar to us is uh, an example of Mr. and Mrs. Bath Parks are the band boys and the band girls or the cheerleader and the captain of the rugby team. So those are really extreme examples, but those are the, the archetypes that, that we fall into whenever we're into the, uh, wanting to have deep, uh, in, intense, I mean, relationships. So this is chemistry like lust Yes, it's pure love, mainly. Yeah, mainly. which makes you blind to red this flags where, and all this stuff. <laughs> yes, this is where our love at first sight happens. This is where actually, uh, this is actually why we always say it's very, very important. And not everyone knows it, but it's important to actually wait for at least two to three years before actually getting really engaged or married or very, very serious. Because there are hormones at play that actually blind us for uh, between six months to three years and after that period of time in general depending on persons they actually fade away and so once they do we act, this is where we actually really start to see our partner for who they really are and actually the masks start to drop and we don't only see the red the, the things from a rose colored glasses but we also see them for the who they really are yeah <laughs> and so those are the first two archetypes then the, the next two archetypes are actually Mr. and Mrs. Nice Mirror. So actually Mr. and Mrs. Nice Mirror used to be Mr. and Mrs. Bath Sparks. And yet as time went by and as uh, culture and society started to interfere, things shifted. Once women started to go to work, again, things started to shift. So while at first, uh, I, I'm generalizing and saying men and women, uh, but it does apply in different ways. So in this case, what happened is that Mrs. Bath Sparks became Mrs. Nice Mirror. So she was first very feminine, then she became more masculine. And it's the same with the man. They used to be masculine so, and they became more feminine. And this is all very normal and it's all okay. But what happened is that we didn't understand as a society how to actually adapt to change, how to actually include change because while, for example, women tend, went to, to work and needed to be masculine at work, when they wanted to go home, they actually wanted to 
relax and be more feminine and really be seen and embraced for who they really were and are. And they weren't able to do that because at the same time, they didn't really know how because of a long time uh, of being more masculine and men at the same time weren't aware of that. So it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just the way things evolved. And so Mrs. Nice Mirror is actually more masculine and Mrs. Mr. Nice Mirror is actually more feminine. And so what happened is they, they, um, they're actually good as friends in general. So there are different categories, but many they're really good in, in friendship, but they're really bad when it comes to passion. They don't know how to be passionate. They don't know how to rekindle their sparks. And this affects their relationship in short. So and, that's because uh, they've shifted roles in terms of their energy. And more or less. So they're not, they don't have the polarity that is required for attraction. It started as that, but it went even deeper later. So for, they, they developed more of an entitlement mentality and lots of other um, evolvement that happened because at, the, at first it was a trigger of actually masculine and feminine, but then it went even further than that. Okay. And so they brought children, Mr. and Mrs. Friend Amore. And so Mr. and Mrs. Friend Amore are actually the, the tomboy and the doormat. So the, the tomboy is actually the lady who actually loves to play basketball with the guys. And the doormat is actually the guy who tries to please everyone every time, anywhere, any place. And it's not their fault again, because they are not aware of their core energy. So what happened is that as they grew up, they modeled a feminine father and a masculine mother. And hence, this is where they are. And so all those are actually six archetypes. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my book, I talk about how each of those six, each has qualities, advantages, and disadvantages. And at the same time, how they can go from those characters or from where they are to actually be the ultimate relationship partners, the ultimate relationship characters, which are Mr. and Mrs. Grey Dance. And Mr. and Mrs. Grey Dance are actually the balanced couple. And they're really good with, when it comes to creating passion, when it comes to being friends, being vulnerable. You mentioned before the show that this week is all about vulnerability. It's a lovely topic and I really love it. So Mr. and Mrs. Grey Dance are really good at being vulnerable. So, <laughs> so in short, those are the eight characters. Yeah. Um, so how, why gray dance? What, is that, what does that refer to? So actually, when, I was, uh, when, I, when we were talking with my ex-best friend and I a couple of years ago, we always had this kind of dilemma or this kind of um, discussion that, okay, uh, men, are, men are very extreme, women are more balanced, or like uh, men are black, women are white, mm -hmm. and all, the, all this kind of dilemma. And when I was doing my research, I was like, actually, no, that's not true. We are actually both men and women. We are both black and white. We are both rational and emotional. We are, and so I started thinking, and I, I realized that actually by adding black and white, we have the color gray, and hence the gray dance, because it's all about dancing between two different sides, two sides to embody them, to actually bring them together and really become whole from within. Mm, I like that. It's interesting as a dating coach, um, what I see when people succeed in relationships is that it isn't black and white. And it's also 
not what they expected. And so, um, for example, I have a client who has a master's degree and she always thought she needed somebody with a PhD. And I have been saying for years, that is not the most important thing, that you have to look at the character and the connection and how do you feel when you're with that person. And intelligence is not just about a degree, it's about who that person becomes because there's a lot of PhDs who are not very smart and there's a lot of people who never went to college who are brilliant. And she just found out that he never went to college. He, I think he started, mm -hmm. he got involved in some amazing projects. This is a person with a mission and a purpose and he's doing incredibly meaningful work in the world. And they connect on so many levels. And she said, I would never have looked at him if I saw that before I met him, before I fell for him. So it's, it's just such an important thing to, um, to look at the whole person. And also what really appeals to her about him is that he's both very sure of himself and confident in who he is, but he also knows how to go deeper and be in touch with his feminine energy. And she is the same. She can be very stuck in her intellect and has learned to sink into her feminine. That's beautiful and very true. It actually reminds me of, of uh, actually a concept, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, it's all about like having a fixed mindset versus having a growth mindset. I, I, I think that. this is what you were referring to. Yeah. So while we, we have a fixed mindset, we tend to see, we want this partner to, be, to have this full list of criteria. So they're going to be like this, like this, like this, like that. And they should have all this all set in stone. But when we start to have a growth mindset and really embrace things the way they are, things really change. So true. And if anybody wants to read more about that, Carol Dweck wrote the book, uh, Mindset. It is a beautiful, beautiful book. And, and I think we, we often go through life thinking this is the way it is, you know, and, and um, I have another client who is dating somebody who is very opposite of her politically and um, and, and so we talk about how does that affect you? And do you ever ask him, like, what is it about his political belief that means something to him? Like, you've got to go deeper to find out the why. And she said, oh, it's just about business. That's it. Doesn't have to do with, with aligning with the values of the politician, but more about this person has influenced business in a good way. Okay, she can, she can align with that. She can't align with the other stuff, but that doesn't necessarily come into play. And so just to immediately negate a whole group of people based on a belief that you have is going to limit people. And often you'll meet the most amazing people and not even realize that they could be a good match. Very true. Yeah, that growth mindset is so important. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we talked about the eight archetypes. Now let's talk about the three stages of relationship um, that you have identified. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So uh, I identified three actually stages of relationships, and we all dance between the three stages. Now some of us tend to sometimes get stuck in stages one and stages two. And it's important to actually destuck it, to actually really flow and be in the flow of all three stages. So the first stage is, and the second stage are mainly about conditional love. They're mainly about ego love. There's a lot of ego involved in it. And it's not bad in itself, but being stuck there is not a good idea. And stage three is actually more about unconditional love, really accepting the person that, or our partner just the way they are. So stage one is mainly about 
passion. It's mainly about lust and passion and attraction and all those beautiful feelings that we all love to have and do. Uh, stage two is more about the reverse of power. We, all, we already mentioned it before, when the woman actually becomes more masculine and the man becomes more feminine, this leads to actually um, a shift in how the relationship is. And uh, it's important because while in the first stage it was all about romance and attraction and all the dating skills and it was great. The second stage was mainly more about, is more about friendship. It's more about learning how to be friends, how to trust each other, how to become more vulnerable, how to actually really be a long-term partner. But one or the other of the stages are not enough and they're not good by themselves. It's important not to get stuck because we need both, hence being in stage three, which is all about embracing, embracing both the passion and the friendship. Mm. I think a lot of people um, bail at stage two. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And um, this is what I hear a lot from my clients is, I'm not feeling it so much anymore. And, <laughs> you know, and it's, um, I, I actually interviewed a woman a while ago, Linda Carroll, who wrote a book called The um, Love Cycle. Did you ever read that one in your research? Not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> um, and she talks about the ebb and flow of relationship. And she herself had been in mostly narcissistic relationships because that was her upbringing and she was very attracted to people who were not available. And so as a social worker, and now she's a coach, um, she did the work internally to change her attraction. And she's been with her husband, her second or third husband for a very long time now. And it's, you know, her posts show so much love and affection for this man. But if you're just looking to always have butterflies and, uh, what Hollywood paints as relationship <laughs> rather than real life, <laughs> you're in trouble, right? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and too much friendship is, you know, also not, not you know, attraction enough. So It leads to the friend zone. Yes. So <laughs> um, it's interesting. It's, you know, I, I, I definitely have met many men who I felt no attraction towards. Uh, usually if I don't feel attraction, I also don't feel um, that I want to be their friend. You know, that, mm -hmm. that it doesn't, I don't usually meet men that I want to continue a friendship with when I don't feel more. I have a lot of good friends. And, um, but like, so let's say somebody started with the friendship because that a lot of relationships do begin in friendship and suddenly they realize, oh my God, this is, this is somebody I feel a real attraction for. Have you seen that? And, you know, how does that, how does that transition happen? Yeah, it's actually, it's actually very beautiful and it's really important because friendship is actually a very strong base for a good relationship, a good lasting and long relationship. Because the sparks, they, go, they come and go. Of course, we can recreate the sparks and it's not that hard. It's very easy, actually. But this is not what actually keeps us together. What keeps us together are, is more actually the friendship because it's the things we have in common. It's the way we, we look at things, the values we have in common, and all this, all this part that is actually re really very important and that we can't find it with anyone. I do mention actually in my book, we can actually create attraction and sparks with almost anyone. But to build a true friendship, that we need to have someone special to do that with. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think a lot of people don't realize what the key ingredients are for friendship or what, even what they, their point of view, their worldview is. And so what I did for my clients is create something I call an operating manual. And mm -hmm. they fill that out at the beginning of our work together because it outlines the three key areas of attraction, the physical, the sexual, um, the, the worldview. Um, and so physical needs, be, meaning if you're not getting your needs met, how much sleep you need, how much you need to eat, what you need to eat, when, um, all the stuff that people take for granted but often give up in relationships when they're starting and they're, they're like I've had clients who have a meditation practice that they give up and they're feeling out of sorts and they're eating food they don't like and now they're getting grouchy and they're pushing the partner <laughs> away. And so it's really important to take a look at like what do I need to thrive, like the basics, and also, like, what is my worldview? And I got that completely wrong when I got married. I thought on paper we had a similar way of looking at the world, of how to raise children, of religion, the way we looked at things, but it, it wasn't the same. And mm -hmm. when crisis hit, we went in opposite directions. And I think when you have a shared worldview, you, you stay together more. You, you know that you're, you're functioning along the same line. Beautiful. And you're very true. Yeah, it's important. It's important not to negate that stuff. But when you're starting out, you're just kind of dating in the dark, you know, most of the time. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about some other mistakes that people make. Um, when they start a relationship? What are some of the mistakes you've seen? So I will go back to actually one thing that's very important. It's important to actually have two different types of skills, the dating skills and the relationship skills. And we tend to either have one or the other. So the bad boys and the bad girls, usually they have great dating skills, but they have none or almost none of the relationship skills and vice versa. The nice guy and the nice girl, they tend to have good relationship skills, but they don't have good dating skills. And what we don't know really is that, or what we tend to forget, is that you actually need both for a long-term relationship. One without the other doesn't work. Mm -hmm. This is very important. A second point is, as we were mentioning, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. It's very, very important not to get into your relationship from a fixed mindset point of view. It's important to, ha to have a more growth mindset point of view. Because by having a fixed, to give you an example, let's say a man who has a fixed mindset looks at a relationship in the sense that, oh, I'm getting married, so that's it. My life is over. I'm going to get into a box. I'm going to be like, that's it. It's the end of my celibacy. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm panicking. This is, this is actually more of a fixed mindset person. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why this happens is actually because they tend to think that, um, they, that they actually enjoy, used to enjoy having sex with multiple partners, and that is going to stop. So what they don't know is that by actually go, this is something that I actually did research on, and very, very important, and very, I, I find it very enlightening, is that we don't need all the, to have a lot of partners. By actually, instead of going wide, by going deep with one partner, very deep, we can actually have a lot more orgasms and a much better orgasms than going with multiple partners. So this is very important. 
This is why this is this is just one example of why growth mindsets are much. It's much better to approach a relationship from a growth mindset perspective rather than a fixed mindset perspective. Yeah. And yeah. entitlement mentality. I have to yeah. add, entitlement mentality mm -hmm. is really, really, really important. We, we we tend to have an entitlement mentality and tend to really uh, expect our partner to know our feelings, to know what we're, we're what we're thinking, and it's not good to do that. Yeah, it's uh, those are great uh, great mistakes that people make, <laughs> and I I often ask people, um, will that person make you know that person might be a great date, but will they be a great partner? Um, and so both having the relationship and dating skills, but also recognizing that a person who knows how to wine and dine you doesn't necessarily know how to show up for you. Um, yep. The person I was speaking about before who, was, who, who met this guy with, without a college education, he drove four hours to be with her when she was in crisis. He's showing oh, that's up. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. So he's showing her over and over again that he's a person who has, who has good values who is you know aligned with her values and will show up you know it's it's easy to promise big things but to show up and actually follow through is not so common um yeah so yeah so we have to have both and most people don't have relationship skills they may know how to hook somebody manipulate <laughs> somebody wine and dine somebody and that's that's um that's like influence and you know sometimes manipulation and there are a lot of relationship books out there that steer people in that direction. It makes me crazy. You know, Thank you. I thought I was the only one. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, suppress who you are until you get the person. And then, then you can release who you are. And it's like, no. I, I, you know, and I think we, we get so trapped in these rules that um, we can't think for ourselves. We don't know how to pick a partner that would work for us. We forget how to trust ourselves. Um, how to learn to trust ourselves because often we have been made wrong our whole lives so we don't even know what's right and what's wrong. Okay, so George, what kind of skills do you think people need to have the romantic relationships they want to succeed? And we, we've talked about it a little bit, but can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. So uh, I'm going to start with dating skills. It's important to actually, for example, eye contact is very important and it's very crucial. Mm -hmm. um, Whenever we go on a date, whenever we have um, um, special moments together, it's important to always keep eye contact. There was actually a study by Dr. Arthur Aaron uh, about the 36, 37 questions. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the questionnaire, he does say that it's to do a five-minute eye contact, whether with strangers or friends. And mm -hmm. this actually helps increase, uh, if we have feelings, it increases the feelings. And it's actually really important to actually connect. So this is a very important um, tip that, that a, or skill when it comes to dating. When it comes to actually relationship skills, I would say, just like you mentioned, to actually be present. So being present and holding space, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work uh, talk about that. So um, there, there tends to be a, a situation, um, we men in general, again, I'm generalizing, I'm talking about, or let's say masculine people, they tend to want to, uh, to give the solution to, to a problem directly. But this in general is not really recommended because when there's a masculine and a feminine person, when a feminine person comes and actually 
talks about their problem, what they want the masculine person is not to answer their, to, to give a solution to their problem. What they want is for them to hold space. They want for them to feel good. They want for them to actually really enjoy, um, to, to feel safe, to actually be in a place where they can actually sh feel that they are in a safe space to share their feelings. And so this is a very crucial and important skill when it comes to relationships. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally agree with that one. <laughs> I, and what I do is I teach women to advocate for themselves. So you, you, people can't read your mind. So a lot of men are not as evolved as you. <laughs> and, um, and they think it's helpful. And a lot of women give unsolicited advice, too. This is not just a masculine male thing. It's, it's a, you want to help. And so we have to let people know, I appreciate that you want to help. And what would be more helpful to me would be and to really set those boundaries so that people can start to see what makes you happy. But it's amazing how few people are, have the courage to say those things. You know, they're afraid if they speak up, they're going to push someone away. And I think. Vulnerability. Yeah. Vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just so important. This has been really fantastic, and, and this is a conversation that obviously could go on for hours, but we don't have hours. <laughs> um, so I always like to know your final words of wisdom to help our audience go on their last first date. I would say love yourself. Mm. As corny and cheesy as it is, it's very, very, very important to actually love ourselves in the sense that to embrace both our sides, our masculine and feminine side from within. So uh, one of the reasons why, for example, we tend to date bad boys or bad girls is let's say, for example, I'm a bad boy and I'm, I'm really, I want to date a bad girl. This is because I have extreme masculine traits or masculine energies and from the outside. And uh, what I'm looking for in my partner is actually an extreme feminine energy that I don't, I believe I don't have in the inside. So it's actually really about joining both the masculine and feminine energies from the inside to actually be whole and complete from within to then actually then be able to go and uh, be in a relationship mm. and to actually heal all our wounds or our past patterns this is very important or else we're going to keep on attracting the wrong type of partner yeah so and this is this is what leads to high divorce rate and all the other failed relationships because we yes. Dating the same person with a different face <laughs> and marrying them <laughs> and then going, what's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, this is very good advice. I think we all have to, we all have work to do. It's an ongoing thing and it's a lifetime. It's a journey. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an exciting journey. I mean, I think when people start this journey, they often feel overwhelmed and what's wrong with me and why. You know, why do I have to do all the work? But the truth is, when you do it, you, you create so much joy and love and ease in your life, and you naturally attract in the right people. And in the end, you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. Yourself and yourself alone. So it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, I can see the joy in your face, and so <laughs> I can see that you've done the work, and you're in a much better place than you were when, when you're, you were friends yes. years ago. <laughs> Um, so, George, thank you so much. And tell us where uh, our audience can find you and find your book. It's www.creedanceoflovebook.com. Actually, a page where you can go and buy the book on Amazon. And once you do that, you're going to see that there are eight bonuses 
that have been provided from influential friends of mine that there are really beautiful bonuses like uh, you have meditations from Robert Clancy, you have um, Peggy McCall as well, Marcy Shimov. So I really recommend that you actually take a look at those eight bonuses, uh, bonuses that are worth more than $700 actually. And um, I would like also to say that for every book that is bought, there would be $1 from the profits of the book that will be given to the Unstoppable Foundation to help raise children all around the world. Because I really believe in spreading love and this starts from raising healthy children. So I love that. That's a beautiful way to give back. And I thank you for, for giving back in, in many ways, for helping people find lasting love, both within and without, and to raise children from the beginning so they don't end up with all these wounds that we have. Exactly. <laughs> that exactly. we can avoid and prevent. <laughs> Prevention is always the best medicine. Yeah. Thank you so much, George. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy. It was a pleasure.